He is the head coach of the only 7-0 team in the league, Mike O'Shea. Mike, congratulations on the win. Thanks for being with us once again. No, thank you. It's a good win. How do you uh, how do you feel about it? You've now had a chance to assess it and, and look over it and discuss it and and mold it and shape it. And how do you feel about it now? Well, anytime you can get two points, it's close to perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean there's there's work to be done, but there should be every game, right? Nobody plays a perfect game, and uh, as as much as they strive to, it just doesn't it doesn't happen that way. You wouldn't love to just play a perfect game? Like if you came in Monday morning and there were like, guys, we have nothing to work on. Let's look at blank, team blank next week. There's no such thing. So there's always something to work on. It's just whether or not you have the time to do it. So Fair enough. All right. Your texts, your calls, 204-780-6868. We've got callers waiting. We've got texts waiting. You want to ask about uh, the game that was. You want to ask about the game that will be coming up this weekend, taking on the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, we would love to have you. Steve is with us on the line. Steve, thanks for your call. Your question for head coach Mike O'Shea. Hey, coach. So uh, obviously you've got an even-keeled approach. You're more with a one game at a time, very level-headed. And all that's got you is two consecutive breakups and a and a undefeated record this year. So I'm I'm guessing that works. However, having said that, Saturday night you guys are in Calgary, and here's the thing that my buddies and I are talking about: if you guys win that game Saturday night, you guys are are not clear, but gosh, the the, the road to first place is so much easier. If if the if, it, if Calgary wins Saturday night, then it's game on. So, are, are you thinking that this game it has to be a massive game for you, right, Coach? Or, or are you just telling your players, well, let's treat it like like we always do? And again, you won two great cups, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think you want to get in the habit of. Uh making one game bigger than the next i think that will lead to fluctuations in preparation and therefore it'll lead to inconsistent play on the field so um i I really i've never seen that that work you know um which part stressing that the game this game is more important having one game be more important than than another game you know it's uh the the main thing once again is making sure that we're playing to our standard and we're not playing up and down to the standard of the opposition. So, um, as you said, it seems to be working so far. Yeah. Steve, to, to your point, being 5-0 and in, in away games and having two wins over the Stampeders, from a Bomber fan perspective, would be amazing because you, we look at it and go, well, 8-0 and this season series is settled and four games clear of Calgary. And, and Steve, Steve, from a fan's perspective, I think you make a real good point of, of it would be nice to have this team, you know, eight and zero with Calgary <laughs> in the rearview mirror. Whether that leaks into coaches' thinking is a whole different thing. But trust me, Steve, we will be absolutely discussing that on the broadcast coming up. Uh, Terry is with us on line two. Terry, welcome to the Coaches Show. Your question for Coach Mike O'Shea. Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, first and foremost, I want to say uh, commend uh, Coach O'Shea and his staff and the whole Bomber organization. Uh, it's very, very. Great to be a Bomber fan. I'm a proud Bomber fan. Anyways, Coach, my, my question is, uh, is this, and it's been bugging me for years. Uh, from a league's perspective, uh, when it comes to seven national players being on the field, from a league's perspective, who monitors, to, who monitors that? 
And what is the penalty for violators? Ooh, I think the penalty, it's a, it's a fine. It might be as high as 25000 I'm not sure exactly, but I, I'm sure there's a fine associated with it. Who monitors it? Well, each team is responsible for putting in um, their respective participation. So on every play, uh, our... Uh, I understand. I understand from a team's perspective, but yeah. from a league's perspective, is it like... Uh, is there an on-field official that counts uh, Canadian no. players? Uh, no, I don't think that. I don't think it gets monitored in game. Honestly, I don't think it gets monitored in game. I think the officials have enough to do that they can't worry about counting and and right. uh, and making sure and double checking. And now with the veteran American or whatever it's called, um, there might not be seven Canadians on the on the field. I. I d- I, I know for a fact the officials on the field cannot monitor it. It's too uh, there's 24 that, guys out there. It's that too was difficult. that was my that was my that was my uh, thinking also. But do we have anyone uh, as a spotter as a as a spotter in in in, in coaches uh, looking at these things? Or we never hear about a team violating having less than seven nationals on a field offense or defense and, and getting fined for it. We just never hear of that. We, we did have one late last season, Terry. Uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats got fined. It was retroactively for what I believe it was. The, they had a center and they put an American center in. La, la, la. They did get fined by the Canadian Football League in November of last year. But to, the, to that coach, you said last week, you monitor that as, as a coaching staff very carefully. You, well, we you know who's own. coming in and who's coming. We, exactly. we monitor our own. We don't monitor the other teams. It's not. It's not really possible to. No, no. But and then even if even if as a as the opposition coach, even if you were to catch the other team, you tell the official they're not. There's not. They're not doing anything about it anyway. They can't. They don't know. The play's over. Players rotate again, and it's just not. Yeah. It's not possible, right? So, but we are very diligent with the way we handle. Um, deploying our roster. Thank you very much for asking the questions. Mm-hmm. Let's go one and know this week, Coach. Best <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I love it. Terry, thank you for your call. We appreciate you being with us on the Coach's Show. Andy is with us on the phone line. Again, 204-780-6868 for your calls and texts. Andy, hit it up for Coach Mike O'Shea. Yeah. Uh, good evening, Derek. I'm the guy who was texting when they were 4-0 that they were the worst-looking 4-0 team in CFL history. I was wrong. Uh 7-0 is outstanding, and any any good, really good team finds way, ways to win, whether it be a blowout or a close win. So they're just uh, coach have been doing such a great job. I do have a question about our um, receiver health. Uh, any update on Dembski, Ellingson, uh, with the injury to Agadosi? Do you see any additions? Is there any free agents we can bring in with some experience, or do you have uh, practice roster guys, or what's the status of our receiving core? Uh, I'll hang up and uh, to the answer, and uh, good luck in Calgary. Thank you, Andy. Uh, Carlton Agadosi made some news today. You told us in the coach's show. Yeah, he'll be out for a bit of time. Um, lower leg injury, and he'll be uh, he'll be missing some time. Uh, we will certainly be bringing in some reinforcements. Uh, I th- think there might be a change at the league side too. We'll see if that uh, comes to fruition or not. But. Um, yeah, we you know we're we're a little nicked up, but that's why these guys have teammates, right? Because they step in and they do the job and they make sure that they are uh, you know helping our team win when another guy beside them, a teammate of theirs, can't play. So um, always like our depth. 
Nick Dembski injured in the Hamilton game. Uh, I'm not sure. Was when. it? Yeah, I, I believe that's the case, which which would mean, Andy, he'd be eligible after the first Montreal game to come off six game, whether that means he can return at that time or he could he could come. I mean, coach, he could conceivably it's possible to come off before his six game is expired. Uh, yeah, it's, I, you saw Hamilton just did that with Simone Lawrence today. So, yeah, I mean, there's you can always pull them off. It just, you know, it adds money to the salary cap. So we're waiting to see, we'll wait to see. Andy, you stick with us. We'll tell you who's at practice tomorrow. And we'll, uh, yeah, when the, when the game day roster comes out on Friday is when Coach O'Shea will reveal all the secrets that we want to know on Wednesday. But uh, different priorities for everybody involved. Andy, thank you, man. Appreciate you giving us the call. Your calls and your texts. Uh, Gloria's got one for the head coach, Mike O'Shea. If the punt return man doesn't catch the ball, can they still call no yards? No yards only gets applied... If someone was in the five-yard halo, the opposition, the cover team is in the five-yard halo when the returner touches the ball. So if he hasn't touched the ball, there is no no yards. Okay. But he doesn't have to catch it. He just has to touch it in some fashion. Yeah, as long as you touch the ball and they're within the five-yard halo, should be a no yards call. Doesn't mean it will be every time, but there should be one. That's uh, because I was going to say with this new everything is 15 yards, I wonder if we'll see returners just racing to just get a touch on it at some point. Oh, that guy is probably within there. But if the official doesn't see it, that could, I mean, I would risk a turnover. Yeah, but it's really hard that's for the be. field judge who makes the call if a ball is not kicked to the average of the punter. You know what I mean? If right. he shanks one, it's hard for him to get in position to see. If he kicks a shorter punt... You know, and the returner's racing up. There's no way that the field judge is going to get into position to make that call if he catches it on the fly. It's, you know, they, they would certainly need some help. I like that. I'm going to work on my theory because how how it works out with humans in practice is something you have to be concerned about. I can just mouth off on the radio, which mm-hmm. I, I like quite a bit. That's very good. Uh, Alex has <laughs> a question. you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mike, do you, do you use the same Pardon me, headset every game, whether it's home or road? Does the home provide its own headsets for each team? We take our own. Yep. We have our own special crates. It's all foam and secure and locked, and I think we have our own frequency. I, I don't know how they do it, but yeah. Same same set every single time. You know what you're getting. I know what I'm getting. When you go home or road, wherever it is. Yeah. Grey Cup, I, I preseason. I guess it could be an issue, like a technical issue at an away stadium or our stadium, but um, there's provisions for that too. So. And, and Alex wants to know, how often do you watch other CFL games on TV? Did you see Riders Argos yesterday yep. or are you focused on the stamps? No, I try to watch every single game. Yep. If I have to PVR it, I PVR it and... and uh, Get through it a little quicker, obviously, than watching it live. But I, I prefer to watch them live. And like I said, I try to I try to watch every single game. You don't go for the insightful breakdown between plays. You just skip thirty chance. second skips. No, <laughs> no I, I understand that one. Uh, Pumper has one, and I I I love this point because the the twenty second clock, how we perceive it, gets to me. When when does a ref blow the play in to start the play clock? It always seems different. It would be different for each uh, each head official. They're just there's a natural rhythm they have and uh, the way they go through their process. It could be uh, it could be you get the same uh, referee and you're used to his um, timing of the game, the flow of the game, but he has a different umpire that day, and the guy comes off the ball at a different pace. So 
Okay. It's, it could be different, but yeah, there's a you know there's a push from the league this off season to make sure the games are are flowing better and are getting finished in a timely fashion. So they blow the whistles fairly quickly to uh, get the get the clock started. And um, third downs have been a big emphasis this year is to try and um, reduce the amount of time it takes to run a third down. Obviously, when kicking downs, there's full-scale transitions, right? 12 guys or 24 guys possibly running in and out. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, never that amount, but there could be a lot of bodies flowing in and out. So those plays take longer um, in terms of uh, just physical time. So they try to blow them in a little quicker to save time in that, in that regard. In that, in that fourth-quarter drive, and Pumper, why I love the question is, uh, in the NFL – Plays over, boom, 40-second clock starts. In the, in the CFL, there is a 20-second clock, which is less time, but on that final drive you really saw and heard, listen to the broadcast, there's a while that goes on before that 20-second clock starts, which keeps which you guys milked very, very well in that, uh, that nine-and-a-half-minute drive in the fourth quarter there. Yeah, it was a long drive. <laughs> really? Yeah, we had a lot of plays. We were successful. They had a couple penalties, kept the drive going, too, and... The most important thing about that nine-minute drive is we finished with seven points. Yeah, I don't want to say Legs is the MVP, Mark Leggio, but that's two that's two games in a row where he drew a critical penalty that allowed you guys to score a touchdown. I'm just saying. Yeah, he yeah. got what Sopic hit him on the one, and then Mac Henry in this one coming. I'll leave coaches. I don't know how McKenna Henry comes right up the middle and doesn't obliterates the punter and doesn't uh, realize that that's not ever been allowed in his career in the Canadian Football League, but that's a whole other thing. But legs I'm is... sure he knows. <laughs> you're, sorry, you're sure he knows? Yeah. I'm sure he knows it's a penalty. Yeah. Uh, but uh, legs legs kept the drive going again, so another reason to love the Bombers kicker-punter this season. Brian is with us on the phone line. Brian, thanks for your call. Your question for head coach Mike O'Shea. Hi, guys. Um, I have a question for each of you. First you, for you, Mike. Um, last week, I listened to the podcast, and it sounded like I cut you off. I want to apologize. It was um, echo, so I wasn't sure when you are finished, but I wouldn't, wouldn't intentionally cut you off for um, anyone. So I just wanted to let you know that. No problem, Brian. I'm sure, okay. you, I'm sure you didn't. Uh, so my question is, um, in the beginning of the season, you know when you guys have started the job with the new players and you found ways to win and now you're still undefeated? Do you feel that the team has gelled now enough like as the past um, Great Cup teams in 2019-2020? One, um, I I think we're probably right on track, uh, but the base answer is no. We've not gotten far enough yet. Um, but yeah, do I think we're on pace uh, to becoming uh, a good football team? Absolutely, um, absolutely, and it's very important. But I I think it takes longer than training camp in seven weeks. Okay, yeah, but you guys are doing great so far. Thank you. And um, Derek, um, I've been a fan of yours, like your uh, CFL segment on TSN, and having you here, like um, it's great seeing you. I was going to call on like the show after the the Whiteout game there, right, right. And seeing, seeing you wear white, that's great, you know. Um, interesting fact about that is like I don't think the Bombers have ever wore white on a regular season game since I've been a fan since the mid '70s. So I think that's interesting. I hope they get to do that again. 
Well, and and Brian, that's why I loved it, right? Because it was they wore white in the two Grey Cups against Hamilton. Hamilton was coming to Winnipeg, and someone in the front office said, "We should wear white," which is just a, one of those little jabs that I just want the CFL. Let's like it's not a it's not a geographic rivalry; it's a Grey Cup rivalry, and just jab the Tie Cats a little bit. I loved it. I loved the thought of it. That's why I bought a white outfit that I'll never wear again. But until there's another white out, but Brian, that's the, I love that kind of stuff. So I was very happy for that day. We should, we yeah. should do that in the playoffs, but maybe it might be too cold to wear white. Oh yeah, no, it's um, that ain't nobody wearing whatever color to antagonize the riders in the west final last year because it was too cold for anything that wasn't uh super insulated and it's the last question now coming coming to winnipeg um as the voice of the the bombers and coming to a team that's already won two great cups and undefeated it must be like a dream job for you right now right well i'm like the kevin durant of the cfl right <laughs> hey golden state warriors winning titles and i can come in no it was uh I won't dwell on it too long. I was uh, it was so nice to come back. I did nine years of Manitoba Bison's football, and uh, I got to be buddies with Milt Stegall along the way, and and get to uh, be around this team every day and and see what it takes. It's it's neat. Plus the contrast of of covering multiple teams is interesting to see how it can be done differently. But uh, Brian, thanks so much for the call. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right, let's go. One, let's go one more. Let's go to Keith before we hit the break. Keith, your question for Coach Mike O'Shea. Congratulations, Mike. You've done a really good job. I mean, you uh, 18 and 0 this year. Um, but my question is, uh, how do you feel about your lineup losing critical players like Steve Lawler and uh, Andrew Harris? Like, is it all, or have you just transitioned and moved along? Well, I mean, those guys are are two of the best in the business. Uh, you know, Andrew Harris is uh, one of the all time greatest uh, players in CFL history. So, um, you know, you don't transition easily, but you certainly can't dwell on the past and and um, you know sit there and and rue the fact that they're gone. You have to move on. I mean, there has to be plans and the strategy involved. So. Um, you, you just keep going. If you keep looking in the rearview mirror, you're going to get, you know, punched in the face. So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, this is the way it is in, in all sport, really. Um, all professional sport is there's always, uh, there's always movement and the teams always change from one year to the next. The team is never the same. And you, you know, you, f- you find new players and you, the, the core group, you know, sticks around and sometimes there's a, a little change in the core and there's a new core, but there's a, always a core of veteran players that you try to keep around that um, understand what it takes and, and help the, the new guys, you know, fit in. Well, hopefully you stick around because you've been the best coach we've had in, since Cal Murphy era. Uh, I appreciate it. Alan is on the text line, says the Bombers wore white jerseys at home for some games during the 88 and 89 seasons. Uh, source, I was there, he says. Season ticket holder. <laughs> Alan, thank you for that. I appreciate and that. Thank you for your support, Alan. Yeah, absolutely. Since 1988. That's awesome. That is fantastic. Uh, Tyler is on at DT on OB. Uh, wonders if anybody's coming off six game this week. Well, we'll see when we put our roster together on day four or whatever it is, whenever we have to submit it. Uh, Dakota Prukop and Jesse Briggs were eligible to return to practice this past week, right? 
and we saw them at practice. So yep. uh, they would be uh, Tyler. They would be the guys that we would be looking at, and we'll again we'll we'll let you know as soon as we can as to uh, are they practicing fully? How does he look? Does his hair set? Does Briggs still look like he's absolutely jacked beyond belief? It's uh, it's uh, all that stuff. You can follow us, the Daily Coaches Show. At DT on OB on Twitter, we'll have you covered. Uh, Richard says Malik Clements looking really nice at linebacker. Yeah, he is. He's he's picked up the system very well. He communicates. He listens very well out there on the field, and athletically, he's he's very talented. He can fly around and um, likes to hit, which is <laughs> very nice. Is there a substantial difference when you get a? Let's just talk linebacker. When you get a rookie linebacker to the Canadian Football League and a guy who's been there for a year, is there generally a substantial difference between those two guys? Like just having been in a system for a year, even if it wasn't yours, is there a difference? Yeah, one hundred percent. There's, uh, we we've said it before. Any any guy going into his second year comes in and there's just such a, a great uh, level of comfort compared to their first year. Um, there's so much learning. The other thing that guys, you know, fail to realize is if they're coming from a university or if they've been in pro camps but not had a season of pro football, uh, 20-plus games is a shock to the system. So they go from 11 or 13 or whatever it is they play uh, to, you know, including exhibition 23, you know, hopefully 23, (laughs) and their bodies just at some point in the season, they think it's – you know, the off season. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's something that every first year player, first year pro uh, football player really has to figure out is how their body's going to feel partway through the season. Is that then come down to recovery, nutrition, like, or all everything? Of all of it. All of it. Yeah. Yeah. They've got to lift more, even though they don't want to, or really, they gotta, yeah, they got to stay strong okay. and, and stick to that routine, sleep, uh, nutrition, all of it's very important because they're going to get to a point where they think, "Yep, I'm done. It's hit the couch for a couple weeks." You know, I'm I'm caught off guard when we're at practice, and we'll for folks who don't know, we'll sometimes go to the underground in the media room to talk to coach, and th- the weight room is not far away from there. It's behind cement walls, but there are dudes absolutely banging out weights. Like they sound, I'm just going off a of sound. They sound like they're killing it in there after they just practiced. And I I feel like there was probably some during training camp too, and those were long days. These guys get after it after practice. They do, and before. The, the way that's it was in, full before also. So, yeah. That's amazing. The, the, the group of guys we have, have have really latched on to um, how important it is to staying healthy, you know, working out hard. And then Braden Miller, our strength and conditioning coach, has done a fantastic job of of – providing plans that the guys you can really buy into and and just helps protect them it's fantastic yeah. i mean and the accountability amongst the players is is just been fantastic over the last bunch of years i find it fascinating to watch i won't go too far down it but watch some of the guys in their practice or game time warm-ups and just how when I think of when I played high school football and a guy bent over and you put your leg on him to stretch your hamstring and now you have guys doing four different <laughs> four different active stretches for their like their hips and like wow things have things have come a long way and they're they're guys who take it incredibly incredibly ser- I assume they all do but there's they some do. there's some that draw your eye like 
wow, he's really he's really going after it three hours before the game. This is this is a different uh, different world than I've ever known. Barry is with us on the phone line. Barry, thanks for your call. Your question for Coach Mike O'Shea. Hi, uh, just want to say congratulations on all your success in the past seasons and uh, so far this year. You guys are talking a lot about practices, and uh, that's what my question is about. Um, are the teams still limited to uh, not having full contact and, and full equipment for practices? And if so, is, it, is that what you can attribute some of the injuries to? You no, know, it just changed this year. We're allowed now to have, um, I think, 12 padded practices. Um Throughout the year, I don't think you can have two in one week, and you can't go more than 45, 40 or 45 minutes in pads. We won't hit 12, and we won't go – I really doubt we'll go 45 minutes. Ever we'll put them on for short segments um, and then get them off. But uh, I, I think it's valuable. Um, it's certainly important to evaluate the younger guys too who maybe don't get as many reps um, and I mean, you're allowed to have pads in training camp, but there are some restrictions on that too. But, you know, football's a padded contact sport. Um, I do think there's some value in, uh, you know, changing the way we think though, you know, when I was coming through training camps early on, it was two a days, both padded and you were banging all the time. Um, and wow. it's, uh, it's, I think it's a step in the right direction for sure. Um, we we probably went a little far, you know, canceling all pads during the season. I think we moved back into something that's very reasonable. And I think a lot of the players would want this. They want to stay sharp and having your pads on for a very small portion of a week, um, you know, is uh, can provide that little bit of an edge. Yeah, it's got to affect the play somewhat for sure. Awesome. Thank you very much. No, and good luck. Yep, take care. Barry, thank you for your call. Appreciate you being with us on the Coach's Show. Mark is with us on line four. Mark, thanks for your call. Your question for head coach Mike O'Shea. Hi, Coach. Uh, question, I noticed Adam Big Hill's on kickoff the team. Any concern knowing his value and how thin you are at that position? He's on the kickoff return, actually. Yeah, so, um, you know, we have a bunch of starters that, that – uh, you know, a bunch of guys that are on the field on offense and defense that play on special teams. Um, and he's one of them, you know. And we we ask guys to do certain things. We ask guys which team they want to be on. Uh, you know, with the expanded rosters compared to, you know, a decade ago or whenever it was, I don't remember when they change. You look at a guy like Chip Cox who just got into the Hall of Fame. He played four, the, the core four special teams and defense. He didn't come off the field. He was probably getting 70 or 80 or more plays a game. And he just had a motor that uh, that wouldn't quit. And, and Biggie's one of those guys. Um, you know, every football play uh, in the course of a game matters. I just have shades of Joe Lobodon many years ago that tore his knee on special teams. And that's just kind of a fear knowing his value. Yeah, these guys don't play with fear. All right, thank you. Yeah. Mark, Mark, thanks for being with us. I appreciate you. I, I've i now seen seven games of, of Big I'm just so impressed with the number of things that Adam Bakehill can do within a defense. He blitzes, he covers, he hammers. Guys. I I never watched him as deep as I have this season. I'm I'm so impressed with Adam Bakehill as a player. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that from afar you wouldn't have had that. I don't know why that would be the case because he's – 
He's been all over the place for us for a number of years. Well, because now I'm saying Big Hill blitzing off the right and three-man front, and here comes Big Hill. And and Big Hill plows Dunbar in the spine and stuff like that, right? The name gets gets said often. Yeah, he's – and you just have to understand it's the stuff he does away from the play. Stuff he does pre-snap <laughs> is is just as amazing. Really, the way he's getting, you know, yeah, it's it's Love important it. the way he communicates and the way he moves around the field. He's got uh, he understands the game so much and his role in the defense that you know he's he's got some ability to move around and give different pictures, and he always ends well. Always is a long time, and you're never perfect in football, but he ends up in the right spot all the time. Yeah, we've seen that uh, a lot this season. Michael in San Antonio says, congrats on the win. Among the other highlights, I enjoyed Les Maluo's sack. Any thoughts on his play and his performance in general? Yeah, it was nice to see him. He he ran that stunt uh, to perfection and came around the edge and um, just, you know, swarmed. Uh, their quarterback and, and brought him down, and I had an interesting little celebration too. So <laughs> it's nice uh, on limited reps when guys get rewarded. Uh, you know, it just shows they're paying attention and they're, um, you know, it's excited when they get their reps and they and they make good with those opportunities. Uh, Richard reminded me I was going to mention the NFL. I'll do that on the other side of Grant being with us. Grant, thanks for hanging on. Uh, your question for Coach Mike O'Shea. Yes, Mike. I don't know, maybe. Uh, Richie Hall could answer this question, but... Mm. Nope, we're having a little trouble connecting with uh, yeah. with Grant on the Here. phone. I got him. You got him? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, uh, Grant. Okay, Edmonton was backed up on the five-yard line, and they were second and 15. They got a first down on a second and 15, and they did it again. They got a second down again, and they got a second and 20. Now, are you playing zone or are you playing man-to-man in those situations? Because those are crucial yards to stop them. Yeah. That's my question. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> absolutely. Uh, the plan is we'd like to stop them. And the defense called is designed to stop them. And then what, what we do and what they do, you know, doesn't match up and they end up getting a first down. But there's... You can you can bet that Richie's making the call that's designed to stop them in those situations, and absolutely the second and extra long, uh, we'd like to convert and get them off the field, and uh, and make them punt to us for sure. I'm just saying that there's no way you sh- they should be getting 15 yards and twenty yards on a second down, man. There, there's that's all I gotta say. Yeah, there's there's nobody on our team that would disagree with you. Well, there's probably no excuse. I can guarantee you that. Nobody on our team makes excuses, but there's probably a reason. Taylor Cornelius can throw a hell of a football to the wide side to Mike Jones for six. That, that was really, uh, really good. Uh, do you follow the NFL very much in season? I want to throw a situation, even if you yeah, don't. not in season, but go ahead. Yeah. Let's... Uh, Kyler Murray, quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals, signed a big fat contract today. He's going to make $46.1 million. That's a beautiful day for him, isn't right? it? Right. He's the second highest paid player uh, on an annual basis in the National Football League. Uh, would you take $46 million to play a season of football? <laughs> Yeah, no, I just um, the the thing that leaked out about Kyler Murray, and I, I was curious to ask you about, was there was a section of his contract that made it to Twitter today, 
And it said uh, Kyler is required to do four hours of independent study per week in season with materials provided by the club. And it says explicitly he can't do it while he's watching TV or playing video games or streaming on the Internet. And I, I wonder what you would take from compelling, compelling uh, four hours of independent study on a player, putting it in his contract, what, how that initially strikes you. Well, I know nothing about the situation, so I, I, it doesn't strike me as, as anything. I mean, it could simply be um, maybe it's a uh, Arizona State taxation issue that if they put this in the contract, then that money gets taxed differently, or maybe he gets a bonus for that. According to, according to a, cap, uh, a contract expert, this was again through a reporter on Twitter, uh, it, it was a unique clause in the contract, huh? compelling a guy. You don't have to, you, you, you don't have to compel your guys to you study film. You don't know film. who put it in. Well, it could be his side that put it in. What I'm saying, we, we don't know, do we? Well, the, he's, he, a player's not going to compel himself to do more than, than the... I'll, I'll study a ton of film, coach, but you can't make me do it in my contract. That has to be club. But who leaked it and why did they leak it and what are they trying to say yeah, becomes know. a whole yeah. thing with – I. now I have a million questions about Kyler Murray, and I don't think Kyler Murray's <laughs> side wanted that to come up. You don't have to convince your guys to study film, I suspect. Guy, I the, feel like guys at this level want to want to know more and be better. Yeah, this these last bunch of years, these last you know pile of years, we've got a room full of guys that – have uh, real high work rates. They just can stack work on top of work on top of work. And some guys are better than others, but, um, you know, as they get around each other, they all improve. They really do. And it's, I'm telling you, as a, as a coaching staff, we're, I'm not saying we're lucky. I just, we marvel at how much these guys, how much time they put in on their own and together, that's more important than on your own. Yeah. Putting time in as a group, putting time in with teammates, putting time in with the guy you play beside, studying with those guys is, yeah, these guys just do it all. It's it's so important. I never realized, there are times when, when I'll be trying to break down games and when I was doing it uh, more often, where I would just, I'd be like eight hours in a row, I'd get home from work at 2 a.m. and all of a sudden it's 10 a.m. and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I did. I never kind of understood how exhausting it can be because I mean, and it's, I, I think at the level your players are probably doing that. This is my hypothesis that they're trying to think of, okay, well what's happening here and what's important here. Here's 12 things, here's 12 players, but not everything they're doing is important, but there's probably something in there that's important for me that I'll have to do at full speed. Yep. I think that's an interesting way of looking at film. Each guy has their own sort of techniques on how they watch film, how they study. Okay. And I think once again, as they study together, they learn different techniques. As a young guy studies film with a, with a vet, they learn different things to look for. Um, everybody sort of develops their own tricks of the trade. Um, sometimes focusing on plays that you know you can affect directly. Um, looking at rare plays, those type of things. I mean, how many times can you watch somebody run inside zone? I mean, it's it's blocked a fairly certain way. And if it's, you're running a gap scheme, gap cancellation scheme, right. you've got your gap, right? Does your gap move or doesn't move? So it's there's some pretty simple things that you just you, you don't need to watch a lot of. And then there's other stuff that you spend uh, you know a higher percentage of time on because you know you can directly affect the the play and and change the course of a game possibly. But I, I think. 
we've got a, a, a brilliant set of players that that really put in a lot of effort and 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 we got coaches that give them a, a tremendous amount of very focused information details that they can use in the game they can digest easily so that they can pull it out come game time again and and um, be rewarded for it and, and I don't know who does it in your staff but I assume a staff of people who make sure they can get that information efficiently like I have to wind through three hours of tape but no that's what the coaches do the okay coaches so yeah and uh, an inordinate amount of time gathering data Good. inputting data watching film and and presenting it in a format that the players can digest and and regurgitate very quickly on the field. Yeah, because any, anybody who tries to do it at home with their PVR and fast forwarding, like it, you you're going to be there system. a while. You got to get a new system, Derek. I, yeah, exactly, Ex- exactly. Uh, appreciate all your texts and all your calls. This has been a fantastic show, uh, Calgary. This coming week, uh, you made an interesting point to me earlier today in that. Uh, I hadn't thought of it for Calgary. This is back-to-back games against the Bombers, essentially. So it it kind of it changes things. Of yeah, with the bye week in between to you know hone their crafts and you know dial in their preparations. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to eight and zero, and we'll discuss: Are they the best eight and zero, the worst eight and zero, or just an eight and zero team on the other side? Uh, he is the head coach, Mike O'Shea. Thank you so much for being with us. Appreciate all your texts and calls. Coach's Show, 680 CGOB.